Listener Production. Hello, welcome to The Briefing. I'm Sasha Barbagat. It's getting harder and harder to see a GP these days that doesn't charge a gap. And now the rate of GPs who bulk bill has fallen below one in four nationally. All states have plans for trials, giving pharmacists more power to give and refill prescriptions. But is it a good thing? A fundamental principle of patient safety is separating prescribing and dispensing medications to ensure there is no conflict of interest but governments are putting profits before your well-being. In this episode of The Briefing, we look at where those trials are at the moment, if they're being considered successful, and if they really will take the pressure off GPs. That's coming up in the second half of The Briefing, but first, Antoinette Latouf is here with the headlines. It is Wednesday, February 21st. Hundreds of Julian Assange's supporters there outside the High Court in London Well, his lawyers are trying to stop him from being sent to the US to face spying charges. There is no possibility of a fair trial if Julian is extradited to the United States. He should never be extradited to the United States. He would never be safe. The United States plotted to murder my husband. He's being accused of journalism. So that's Stella Assange, Julian's wife, who was also outside the courthouse. And his lawyers told the court the WikiLeaks founder is being prosecuted for engaging in ordinary journalistic practices of obtaining and publishing classified information, which was true and of public interest. Assange himself was too unwell to be in the courthouse and to even attend via video link from jail. So he could be extradited to the US within days if this last-ditch appeal is unsuccessful. And get this, he faces 175 years in jail if convicted. It's awful, Antoinette. Let's recap his case for a moment. He has been charged with criminal offences relating to the publication of classified documents on the WikiLeaks website back in 2010, which American prosecutors claimed put lives at risk. And those documents detailed evidence of war crimes committed by US forces in Iraq and Afghanistan and was given to Assange by soldier-turned-whistleblower Chelsea Manning. So this story just keeps bubbling on, but it looks like this could potentially be the end of the line for Julian Assange, Antoinette? Pretty much, unless if he is unsuccessful in the UK, Assange could try and make his case to the European Court of Human Rights. Mm. Although legally, uh, it would be possible for British authorities to just send him to the US before that. And then if he does win his case, that can still be appealed. So it looks like he's running out of options, but there are a couple of routes left. The US has vetoed an Arab-backed ceasefire resolution at the UN Security Council, citing concerns it could jeopardise talks to end the war between Israel and Hamas. We believe that the resolution on the table right now would, in fact, negatively impact those negotiations. Demanding an immediate, unconditional ceasefire without an agreement requiring Hamas to release the hostages will not bring about a durable peace. That was US Representative to the United Nations Ambassador Linda Thomas-Greenfield there. The vote, which the UK abstained from, ended up 13 to 1 in a sign of growing international support to end the war. The US put forward its own draft resolution in support of a temporary ceasefire, which is a significant step as it's the first time America has supported any sort of ceasefire. The resolution also called for the release of all hostages and 
and barriers on aid into Gaza to be lifted while warning Israel against a land invasion of the southern city of Rafah. Look, Sasha, I mean, I know anybody who listens to the briefing realises that I follow this closely, this conflict closely, and I personally don't for a second buy that the US actually wants an end to this abhorrent violence. That's obviously my opinion here. But it's based on the fact that it's blocked and undermined every UN attempt to end this sort of mass slaughter of civilians. Polls show that 76% of Democrats... They want a ceasefire, and of course the Democrats is Biden's party. But just last week, Biden did come out and he gave a bit of a lukewarm, hey guys, maybe stop, I mean, stop if you want to. Um, but the US was still sending arms to Israel. It sends billions and billions of dollars of weapons and support to Israel. So I don't believe that they want meaningful peace and it's why they keep vetoing and getting in the way of it. Mm, I found it interesting though that they put forward their own resolution and to hear the change in language from Joe Biden and the US at the UN uh, was an interesting development I feel. I think that the tide is changing there. Uh, Meantime uh, Prince William has sort of broken from royal protocol. He's called for an end to the fighting in Gaza saying too many people have been killed. He's called for an increase in humanitarian aid and for the release of hostages as well. And the death toll in Gaza has now reached 29,000. So we are just seeing more and more pressure on Israel to pull out. Next is a a really horrible story out of Sydney. A woman, her seven-year-old son and her estranged husband have been the victims of a suspected murder and a man is in hospital who's set to be questioned by police. So a concern for welfare led officers to a unit in the city's northwest where they found the body of a man in his 30s. That was yesterday morning. And shortly after, the remains of a woman and her son were discovered dumped in an alley behind a martial arts studio. And all three had been stabbed to death. The owner of the gym took himself to hospital earlier in the day with injuries to his hands and arms. He's currently under police guard in hospital. And no charges have been laid at this stage and detectives are expected to give an update today. Mm, And if this story has brought up anything for you, you can call Australia's free and confidential domestic and sexual violence helpline 1800 RESPECT or you can visit their website. Now it's worth noting as well, police sources said it was too early to say if the deaths were domestic violence related, but detectives are believed to be probing the possibility of a love triangle. And quickly before we go, we've had lots of responses to our chat yesterday about whether politicians should be drug and alcohol tested. At spirit underscore Marcus said, oh my God, they drink on my tax payments. (laughs) And at Sandra Kihel said, they are making decisions that impact Australian lives. So, yes. At lookatyou.now said 100% they should be. It's standard practice on heaps of work sites around the country. A very good point, Sasha. Yeah. And at you are so Mona said, if you're running a country, you should absolutely be sober. While Chrissy Betty Photo said, forget drugs and alcohol, give them empathy and IQ tests, which I thought was was a good take. Um, look, if you haven't yet, you can go check out the video on our Instagram page at The Briefing Podcast and be sure to give us a follow and join our broadcast channel behind The Briefing. That's where we interact with you guys and get your thoughts on stories and upcoming episodes. All right. Thank you, Antoinette. Let's get into today's deep dive on GP-free prescriptions.
The rate of GPs that offer bulk billing has now dropped below one in four nationally, making heading to the doctor more expensive for thousands of Aussies. But what if pharmacists could fill that gap? There are trials happening across the country right now, letting us get limited prescriptions from a pharmacist. But they're all at different and varying stages. It is getting support from pharmacists and thousands of people who have so far taken up the trial service. But peak medical bodies are calling the idea dangerous, with concerns it could also lead to an increase in the use of antibiotics as an easy way out. Listener journalist Tessa Randello has been diving deeper into this topic and she joins me now. Tessa, tell us about these trials and what they look like across the country. So it's really interesting because the trials are most often for contraception and for antibiotics for urinary tract infections specifically. There are trials underway already in New South Wales, in Victoria and in Western Australia. And then for Tasmania, South Australia and Queensland, they all have plans to start Very similar trials. While some of the trials, you know, they have more or less medication involved, almost all of them have the contraception and the antibiotics for urinary tract infections. The Northern Territory doesn't really have any plans to kind of jump on this almost trend that we've got happening across the country. Yeah, it seems it's kind of swept the nation um, and it makes sense in response to, you know, people struggling to get into GPs, first Mm -hmm. of all, but second of all, bulk billing. Like I know in my area... All of the doctors that used to bulk bill have recently switched and go, no, sorry, we have to charge a fee now. So people want to avoid going to the doctor if they Mm -hmm. can. It makes sense. And UTIs and the contraception, very common medication for people. Do any of the states stand out for doing something different or are they all kind of running the same trial? Well, while Tasmania does have a kind of similar trial that's going to happen, um, they don't have a date for that to start yet, but they are doing something a little bit different at the moment. They are currently letting people who already have prescriptions for medication bring in the box of empty medication and they can get an extra month of that prescription just from the pharmacist without having to renew that prescription just yet. So it's for people who can't get into the doctor but Mm. really need things like asthma puffers, diabetes medication, heart medication. There's actually hundreds of medications on that list, which is really interesting because they're also going to do a similar trial. So we'll get a little bit of both from Tasmania. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So what sort of numbers are we seeing then with the take-up with these trials so far? So thousands of people have already taken up these trials. Obviously, a large proportion of them are women because it is for contraception like the pill and urinary tract infections. I guess I'll rattle off some numbers, but they're pretty big. Consultations for UTIs in New South Wales were 8,500 people as of January 18. Consultation for the pill in Victoria, 800 people have come forward for that. And then pharmacies in Western Australia, 400 of those want to be involved. And that's two thirds of the state's pharmacies. Mm. Um, And for those who haven't started, Queensland already has 350 pharmacies ready to jump on board when they start their trial as well. Okay. So it seems there is definitely interest and at least a level of demand. Eight and a half thousand for UTIs in New South Wales is a really, really big number. Look, with any of these things, It might sound good on the surface, but are there any downsides to a program like this? So the Australian Medical Association has raised some concerns. They fear that there could be a bit of over-prescription when it comes to antibiotics because people will go to the pharmacy to get their treatment for a UTI um, and they'll get antibiotics for that, even though there might be other ways to look at it if they were to go to a GP. 
And when it comes to overprescription of antibiotics, you can actually start to get used to antibiotics and they start to not work as well. Mm. So the AMA president, Professor Stephen Robson, says some of the patient safety is also at risk. By allowing pharmacists to prescribe medicines rather than dispensing them from a doctor's prescription as we're all used to, state and territory governments are following the lead of countries that rank lower on healthcare outcomes than Australia. A fundamental principle of patient safety is separating prescribing and dispensing medications to ensure there is no conflict of interest. But governments are putting profits before your wellbeing. Okay. Uh, I have heard the concerns about antibiotic resistance as Mm -hmm. a larger problem. Is that kind of the concern here from the AMA as well? They don't want to see kind of everyone going to get antibiotics because it's the easiest way to get them. There are other treatments that people can go for. And I guess when you go to a GP, you have all of those laid out in front of you. Whereas pharmacists during these trials are only really being trained specifically for urinary tract infections for antibiotics. Okay. Look, I've actually been among those to take up this trial Mm -hmm. for the contraceptive pill. Now, I understand the concerns about antibiotic resistance. I'm not a scientist. I can't say whether that's what we'll see or not see. However, with the contraception, I'm 31. I started on it when I was 18. Mm -hmm. And it is a regular prescription that I go and get. And it is a pain in the butt to go to the doctor. As I said, all my doctors in my area now don't bulk bill, which means I'm paying $85 to go and get a prescription that I've been on for close to 15 years. And so I'm a big believer in seeing how this trial goes. I know we have to go through the process, but for me, I found it such a relief to not mm-hmm. have to go to the doctor. I could go to my pharmacist. They asked me a bunch of questions. They didn't just say, oh, here you go. It was my height, my weight, my age, how long I'd been on it, my blood pressure, you know, any other medications I was on. Pharmacists do have training to analyse a person coming in and make sure that the medication that they're getting is right for them. And any way we can take pressure off our GPs, to me, it's kind of a no-brainer. Is there other support out there for these trials? Yeah, there is. And you would have gotten a lot of those questions because you went in New South Wales. Mm. The New South Wales Health Department has actually partnered with universities to do research into the pilots as well. So they're going to get their own research as well as looking into the pilots themselves. Dr. Sarah Deneen Griffin is the chief investigator and the project lead of the New South Wales and ACT pharmacy trial. And she sent us a statement in response to the Australian Medical Association. And we've got a reading of that here. The philosophy for the trials has been one of patient safety, collaboration and avoiding the fragmentation of primary healthcare. Collaboration with other healthcare professionals, primarily GPs, remains crucial for comprehensive primary care. As part of the governance of the trials, there is a safety and stewardship working group with terms of reference including antibiotic usage, antimicrobial resistance and stewardship. The data and outcomes generated as part of the use of the clinical management protocol will be independently evaluated based on the research protocol that is publicly available. Yeah, I can't ever imagine that there would be a trial that involves the medication and health of Australians Mm -hmm. 
that wouldn't be extremely thorough in ensuring that it is safe and that it is feasible into the future. And you also have the New South Wales Health Minister, Ryan Park, and he reckons that it will make more GP appointments available for people like you who are trying to get into a bulk billing GP and who can't find them because they're all full. What this reform does is enable pharmacists to dispense these medicines and in doing so, clear the way for those who need to access GPs for the most important care. All right, so we've got these trials underway or about to start Mm -hmm. in most states and territories. What happens next? So I asked the health departments this exact question. There's been a lot of emails out to health departments. Um, (laughs) And what they've been saying is that they're going to collect all the data, but it it could be years before we even get some answers about how things are going. For example, um, Western Australia won't look at results until the end of this year, the start of next year. South Australia's got a trial that's going to go for one year and it doesn't even start until March 2024, so in two months' time. So we'll kind of have to wait and see how it all goes, but it is available at the moment under the trials. Yeah, and I think the interesting thing and worthwhile thing to note about these trials is that they involve medicines that affect women's health. And I can't help but think that any way we can improve those outcomes should be welcomed. Yeah, of course. The Victorian branch member committee of the Pharmacy Guild in Victoria said that these trials were an important step towards increasing primary health care for all Victorians, but especially for women. Women get UTIs 30 times more than men. And while it can feel like a little bit of an inconvenience at times, it can be quite uncomfortable. And it can also lead to other health problems down the track if people aren't treated soon. So if someone, you know, doesn't have that $100 to go see the GP that week, it could end up being a much more costly health problem further down the line. Yeah, if they don't have access to these trials, which, as we've said, they're underway. And we will have to wait and see what happens when they start to finish up. And we will count on you, Tessa, to bring us the updates as they come. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. That was Tessa Randello from the Listener Newsroom contributing to this episode of The Briefing. And that is all we have time for this morning. The briefing will be back in your feed at 3pm with another deep dive. And a reminder, we are always on the hunt for new stories and feedback for the show. We'd love to hear from you. Head to our Instagram page and send us a message at The Briefing Podcast. I'm Sasha Barbagat. Thanks for joining me. Listener.